What's going on, TIW Mafia? I got something special. This is, we're doing like a a Chikara month here. And this isn't Chikara related, but it's comic book related and it's wrestling related. So it is, it ties in. I'm here with Matt Enton. Matt, did I say the, your last name right, first of all? Yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's pronounced as it looks. Okay. Now, can you tell us a little bit about... Where you guys came up with the concept for Invasion of WrestleTopia? So um, it's sort of been knocking around in one form or another for about 10 years. Ed and I actually wrote it as a screenplay first about a decade ago. And, um, you know, we it's gone through sort of various forms and then... Uh, it's just, it started sort of, you know, gnawing at us after a while. And about a little over a year ago, Ed was like, we really sort of need to get this out to the world in some fashion. And the best, you know, vessel for this, the one, only one we can afford to produce is a comic book. Um, so it's interesting to see sort of like how things have changed from when it was a screenplay to a comic series. Um, but it's interesting how little has changed. I'd say like so many of like the major beats that we first sort of came up with 10 years ago are, are still in there. Um, no. What came first for you guys? I mean, obviously you're wrestling fans and I know it was written as a screenplay originally, but you're obviously comic book fans too. Yeah. Uh, what came first? Well, I, I was a wrestling fan before I was a comic book fan. Um, I'm a child of the 80s. So, you know, this, we're talking, you know, WWF was huge. And yeah. I, I think my my entree into wrestling was probably through uh, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> I kind of saw that with the, <laughs> the name of the Federation in there very much reminded yeah. me of that. Yeah. Um, and then, but I, you know, and I grew up with in a house without cable. We didn't get cable until I was, um, probably like, yeah, end of junior high or so I was probably 12 or 13. So I got tantalizing sort of tastes of wrestling through like Saturday night's main event. And whenever, you know, the WWF was featured network television, um, but then, you know, when we finally got cable, of course, uh, the Attitude Era yeah. was sort of just getting revved up, and you know, I got hooked, and I've been hooked ever since. Although I will say, you know, I'm not as avid a watcher as I once was, but you know, I'll, I'll you know, I still read daily about what's going on in the industry, and of course, like any documentary wwe comes out with i'll watch and then now of course vice has dark side of the ring and yes. I, you know, I watch that religiously every week i ha- i yeah i haven't the only one i've missed so far is the von erics oh yeah and i've watched was, about half of it yeah that was a good one and actually tonight i think is the premiere of the gino hernandez episode yeah that's they had me hooked with doing the bruiser brody thing Oh yeah, yeah. That's it's no. it's it's just interesting that no one has produced a documentary about that, right? No one. It's yeah. It, the, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around that. Yeah. Um. So, 
a wrestling fan from the 80s, and then you... Now, WrestleTopia is not your first writing experience, right? No, so Ed and I actually met... Our day jobs are as video game writers. Um, We were both freelance video game writers, and we actually met at both of our first jobs, which, in in the video game industry, um, we were working on a game called Leisure Suit Larry, Magna Cum Laude. (laughs) You sound like... I spent... I spent... (laughs) I'm a child of the 80s as well. And let me tell you, I had the cheat sheet to answer the questions to the first Leisure Suit Larry quiz. Leisure Suit... The original Leisure Suit Larry had a quiz you had to take in the beginning to prove you were over 18 to play the game, and I cheated my ass off. They were all, like, questions about Watergate and All in the yeah. Family and just, like, anything 60, like late 60s, early 70s. Um, yeah, so that was the first. So Ed and, Ed and I got hired. Ed transitioned from being a producer to being a writer, and I just got hired as a writer straight out of college. Um, to write uh, the Leisure the Leisure Suit Larry basically got brought back um, after a yeah. few years uh, and it got revived for Xbox and PlayStation 2 and PC and we both just happened to luck out that was my first job out of college I supported uh, you guys on that one I actually bought that I believe for the PlayStation 2 because I was an old school Leisure Suit Larry fan yeah the the gameplay left a little to be desired. I, I will fully uh, admit that. Um, and uh, we actually were work. We we did about eighteen months of work on a sequel, which was going to be more of a sort of traditional um, point and click style graphic adventure, but in like a three D world. Okay. And, um, unfortunately, it ended up getting canceled. But yeah, that would have been. I, I kind of wish people had got an opportunity to play that one because I think it was it was more the type of game we wanted to make. And I think, you know, we got a little flack from, you know, the old school fans and from like, you know, the Allo fans. And I feel like our follow up would have been um would have gotten those that contingency on our side. That's I don't remember a lot of my PlayStation two days, so <laughs> but I do know I do know I had that game. I because like I said, I just when I saw Leisure Suit Larry coming out, I had to get it. Yeah. Now, so how do you go from there to that we is just both wrestling fans, be talking about wrestling in the office, and then say, "Hey, I have this idea." Well, Ed actually had a um, he had, so Ed's from Portland, and so he grew up like he's he's seven years older than me. And so when he was a kid, it was sort of the, the territories era. Yeah, and Portland wrestling was huge. Yeah, yeah. and um, and you know NWA uh, obviously had a territory up there, and he actually had a uh, Playboy Buddy Rose. I don't know if you remember Playboy. Oh, Buddy yeah, Rose. <laughs> yeah. So he had, he had a big frame photo of play autograph photo of Playboy Buddy Rose, and <laughs> and like paper clip to that. He had a picture of himself um, with King Kong Bundy putting him in a headlock. <laughs> That's cool. That is cool. I don't. I don't even. I don't even know where Ed met King Kong Bundy. I don't know. Like it must have been some convention or. Um, but yeah, that just sort of sparked a conversation, and you know, like wrestling fans find each other, and um, you know, it was just something we were aware of about each other, and. 
So, you know, after we ended up both getting laid off uh, in the same round of layoffs, and we kind of had a lot of time of our, on our hands for a while. And Ed just sort of had this, you know, this concept. He's like, well, you know, uh, there's a planet and it's inhabited by pro wrestlers and, pro, and, you know, their entire sort of society is sort of, you know, built around pro wrestling. And they invade Earth and they put a steel cage around Earth so we can't escape. And that, and that, was, that was basically all we had. But, you know, I was like, yeah, I feel like there's something there. No, I've been privy to to issues one and two, which are out now, correct? Oh. Uh, issue issue one is out, and issue two is coming out in okay. one week. It'll be out next Wednesday on Comixology. And issue one is on Comixology. Yeah, issue one is already out. Was part of the free, the, uh, free comic book day Saturday, so... Yes, you can, uh, if people want to get a free taste before they buy. Although, you know, it's only one ninety nine for a 32-page yeah. comp, so it, it's not much. I can um, tell you I'm waiting for 3 and 4. Thank you, yeah. Um, 3 is done, and um, 4 is almost done. And, uh, yeah, we're getting 5 kicked off now. That's it's such a... <laughs> it's such a real... It's a throwback. And I like. Have you guys been around independent wrestling at all? Um, Ed has more than I have. Like in a backstage type of sense. No, no. Like we. So like when we first wrote the screenplay, we read probably collectively about fifty books about wrestling. Okay. Um, autobiographies, just a lot of behind the scenes yeah. stuff. Because we we really wanted sort of the you know like rory and his life sort of out of the ring to be as realistic a portrayal as yeah you guys hit close on a lot of the old school stuff yeah um from every story like i i do a lot of independent shows around here i'll go and help set up do whatever's needed and talk to a lot of the guys, and you guys hit pretty close on a lot of that stuff. That's why, like, I've been dying to ask you guys that, if that was, if you guys had been around it, you know? Like, a, uh, I don't know if you have read, um, I don't know if you ever read, uh, I believe it was called Chokehold. It was, it's like a, it's a wrestling bio by a, uh, his name was uh, Jim Wilson. And it was really one of the first sort of like, you know, pulling back the, the curtain and telling sort of like the dirty reality of I've wrestling. seen that one. I have not actually read yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That was sort of like a, a foundational sort of, you know, okay. book for both of us. And then, of course, we kind of like drew up a list of all these autobiographies and other books we wanted to read about the history of the business. And we just sort of, you know, divided and conquered and shared notes. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we definitely wanted to use some of the slang, uh, hoping we didn't, you know, alienate people who don't, you know, know some of the, uh, the kayfabe slang. What's yeah. kayfabe? Kayfabe is, is the artifice of the, you know, uh, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, so yeah, and you just did it to a point where it was so minimal that 
someone would be able to figure out what it was if they didn't know. But I think at this point, I think the um, most of the language is so out there, like fans use it on a regular basis. Yeah. So there's just you guys. There was like the fight scenes in the bar and stuff like that. It's so well drawn out too, and what you guys did. Yeah, that's all. Like, Dan Scotty is just great. Ed, Ed really is sort of like the fight choreographer, uh, you know, between the two of us. And then Dan Scotty is really good at sort of capturing the action. Um, I think, to, to keep it real, the only thing you guys are missing is a couple of podcast hosts. <laughs> well, there's, you know, there'll be some crowd scenes. That's... <laughs> It's uh, I just think that the whole idea of it is, so, the main character Rory Landell, right? Yeah, yeah. He cuts a promo, and he basically, he didn't get the championship he wanted. Um, the promoter kind of pulled it out from under him at the last minute, and he cuts this promo and just says, "I'm the champion of the galaxy." Yeah, and. Uh, somebody who was watching over Earth from WrestleTopia saw this and took that as a challenge. Yeah, and um, of course, you know, it takes 15 years for the satellite signal of the pay-per-view to travel to travel across the universe. And so, you know, when we catch up with Rory again, you know, he's he's been sort of, you know, uh, you know, dealing with some alcoholism. Um, he's definitely softer around the middle. He's not kind of the prime specimen he was in his 20s. <laughs> so that's, and it, it's just such a fun read. And it's, it really is a throwback to some of the old school comics. I haven't really read comics in a long time. I'll pick up a graphic novel here and there, but it, it's the Green Lantern type of intro in the beginning I loved. And. It's just such a fun read. It's a throwback to old school pro wrestling. Like it literally is a throwback to the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And now, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Uh, mine. You know, it's it's not a deep cut, but mine was Macho Man, and it pretty much still is. I for me, he's kind of he was like the total package. Um, you know, surreal character. Uh, just cut brilliant, bizarre promos, and he had sort of the in-ring skills to back it up. Now, is there any character in the book that was sort of based on Macho Man? Oddly, like no, and it's I, I, I'd be I'm curious, like who, like because we get different uh, responses to this. Who do you think Rory was based on? And it can be multiple wrestlers. Ah. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I didn't think... Uh, I didn't... I saw his own, like, a character of its own, but the strong promo and everything and the way he cut it and just it's me was... Not so much Ultimate Warrior-like, but Ultimate Warrior-like, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. It was kind of like, this is mine, and I'm taking it. Uh, but the 
the off-scene stuff, like the alcoholism, I saw like Jake. Yeah, that's so. It, most people have picked up. Yeah, definitely. Like out of the ring, Jake Roberts was a, a big influence. Um, you know, in fact, there's that sort of infamous uh, match where he showed up like visibly intoxicated, and I think he like. He grabs that woman out of the crowd and like has her like rubber hands over his chest. Like it's really embarrassing. <laughs> we didn't quite take it that far, but Jake was definitely sort of an influence for who he was, like out of the ring. Um, but his in-ring persona was very influenced by superstar Billy Graham. Okay. Um, because we sort of saw him, like, you know, because Superstar really was a guy who was, who was maybe a little too ahead of his yeah. time. And that's how sort of Rory is. Because Rory is a heel and an anti-hero in an era where, you know, family-friendly and baby faces sold. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time, you know, we catch up with him, it's the 90s. He's kind of aged out and he's missed this sort of shot at uh you know the limelight at sort of you know the big time um so superstar was really you know that our primary influence but look like anybody we sort of use as an influence they're just sort of jumping off points and as you kind of you know spend time with the characters and write it um they just kind of become their own things that's so now if it wasn't you know, if you, you so you basically just designed all the wrestling characters you would have designed. Then it wasn't really like based on X or Y or Z. It was we so like we it's it's been interesting. So we we're actually we have a different artist for the next three, and so Dan not a, Dan Scotty our first artist for the first three not a wrestling fan. So there was a little more hand holding with him. Okay. And we just sort of said, hey, these two or three wrestlers are sort of the influence. And do what you want with it. Whereas um, Kendall Good will be taking over our duties for issues three through six. And he actually um, has worked on Boom Comics WWE series. And we don't really have to explain all that much to him. We say, you know, a character like Ravishing Rick Rude and he kind of you know knows where to go with that he doesn't create a character that explicitly looks like ravishing Rick right Rude, but he gets kind of like the rude sort of you know demeanor like the whole yeah. and you know is able to create a new brand new character just with that inspiration so that takes a little bit off of you guys plate then yeah yeah and what's what i'm excited for people to see especially with kendall taking over on issue four is a lot of sort of the background WrestleTopians and some of these bigger fight scenes. Um, we just kind of let him go wild, and he's doing a lot of like really interesting. Like he like creates like distinctive characters, and then just these big sort of battle royale scenes, and it's pretty exciting. That's, that sounds like it's just so yeah. that must make it a little more fun for you guys too, then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Kendall. Kendall's been great. You know, it's um, it, it's good to work with. This is not. You know, I feel like Dan. By the time we finished issue three with him, he said he got it. In fact, we just sent him a box full of like vintage wrestling magazines, and he and he definitely sort of got it. I don't think he's he, he'll ever be a fan, but he sort of understood. 
what wrestling is all about. That's... But you know, Kendall, we don't have to do any selling with him. He right. He's already a fan. He gets it. And um, I really have been really happy and I'm excited with what he's been sort of bringing into the project. And it's one, like a lot of comic books, they have a separate artist for the uh, the covers and the inside. I like about you guys is it's been the same artist. So you're not like seeing one picture on the cover and that something completely different in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah, we want, you know, like the the covers like a real good, you know, place for our artists to kind of shine. And we don't want to take that away from them. Now, I know Comixology and like the digital platform for comics, but is there also hard chop on uh, hard copies of it out there? So, um, we the at least right now, the current plan is to do the individual issues as digital only releases uh each with some uh bonus content and then after the the six issue run to do a trade paperback okay that collects them all and that bonus content um in the individual issues will not be um in the trade paperback um we did do a limited print run actually when um for rose city comic-con um, but in terms of, you know, the, the individual issues that, that is, that's it. I think, um, we'll do six digital and then we'll do a big collection. At I, the end. I think the digital just, I mean, that's how people are reading nowadays anyway. Yeah. I mean, my mother who is an older woman, obviously doesn't read a book anymore. She reads her Kindle. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's just the way the world is. But I, I will definitely, I, I want a high copy. I will definitely be grabbing that trade paperback. Yeah, and we are going to do some bonus content just for the trade paperback. Um, you got to give people incentives to buy the, the you know, right. individual issues and the, the collection. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is, like, you'll have stuff, they'll have something in each that they don't get in the other. So yeah, you kind of need both. Yeah. Now you guys are. What's the, the who's the I don't I, the publisher. So um, we had, so we were self publishing. We actually self published the first two issues, and then back in September we signed with uh, Starburns Industries Press. And um, if people might recognize Starburns because it's uh, Dan Harmon and Dino Stamatopoulos' production company. Uh, they do Community, uh, Rick and Morty, um, Anomalia. Uh, you know, they've... So basically, within the last year or so, you know, they've been exclusively just, you know, doing TV and film production. They decided they wanted to do a comic book imprint, you know, sort of like a lab where they can test ideas uh, you know, and sort of see if they have merit without, you know, the millions of dollars of investment that, you know, doing a TV pilot or, you know, <laughs> producing a film costs. That's pretty cool. I mean, Rick and Morty is humongous. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is like, so, you know, even though, you know, this is, this company's owned by the creator of Rick and Morty, they sold the comic book rights to Dark Horse. <laughs> So they don't have the so the Rick and Morty comic books at least until that you know IP that deal yeah. you know runs its course will not be on the Starburns you know label. Well, 
Yeah, that's yeah, that is kind of. But it probably made sense to them at the time. But yeah, yeah. But um, Dan is actually Dan Harmon, who's the writer slash showrunner on Rick and Morty. Um, he actually uh, did a comic called Gregory Graves, which was one of Starburn's first you know releases. So you know they're they've been really great to work with. They get the comic, they get us, um, they give us a lot of sort of creative freedom. So, I mean, is there an opportunity for like uh, something like TV to come out of it? That's what, you know, that's what we're hoping because that's kind of why they set this whole label you know, label up. You know, they're like, this is, we are, we are publishing stuff that we would like to see maybe produced as movies, as TV shows, as video games, whatever. Like we're... We were specifically, um, you know, purchasing intellectual properties that we feel, you know, are will be, you know, able to, you know, thrive in other mediums. Because you like when you originally started as a screenplay in a movie, was it going to be live action or was it going to be a cartoon? So it was going to be live action, and then we ended up doing a pitch that I think we sent to one agent, where like we pitched it as an Adult Swim cartoon. That's kind of the way I, I uh, see to do it as live action, to have some of the uh, the the aliens from WrestleTopia would be a problem. Like there'd yeah. be a ton of C, a ton of CGI. Yeah, that's like Which, it's it's like a very sort of B movie concept, and I just think like yeah. the budget required to do this live action, I don't think you'd recoup that investment. Because it's very much sort of like a midnight movie kind of concept. It's not something, it's not like Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not a popcorn movie for the masses. Well, yeah, no, it, you're definitely right. And I don't want to say that in an insulting way, but it's. Yeah. Your average movie person isn't a wrestling. Like the wrestler did good numbers, but it was Mickey Rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was also an indie movie, you know? With, yeah. With, with an indie movie budget and what we have here, you definitely you yeah. struggle to do on an indie movie budget. Right. And that's, but I think as a, like, I think, yeah, the adult swim type of cartoon, I think you would do big numbers and convert people that aren't necessarily wrestling fans. Yeah. And that's the thing too, like with like, we've sent this around a lot and we've been real happy that you know the wrestling fans out there it seems to be connecting with them it's sort of passed the smell test with like the actual wrestling fans but we've had a lot of reviews from people who are pretty clear you know at the start of the review that they are not wrestling fans <laughs> um but they like the comic anyway it was able to sort of for them succeed on its own merits and it, you know like you know it's not like a requirement that you be a wrestling fan to sort of enjoy the series you know what i see thinking about it i see you guys doing a crossover with muscle <laughs> remember the muscle action figures the, the, they weren't really action figures they were the little the little dolls pretty much rubber dolls it was so it was so funny because after like we wrote the first draft of the screenplay somebody mentioned to me you know, like, you know, the muscle, the muscle, like the whole concept behind that were they were like alien wrestlers. Yeah. 
And, you know, we didn't take it as far because, you know, they had those like bizarre, you know, alien character design where like all our, you know, all our Wrestletopians are like, you know, all humanoid, you know, they look like people, but they have weird color skin. Um, But yeah, (laughs) like, and that was, um, that was, I've actually watched a few episodes since then because that was like a cartoon series in Japan. Um, I think we had it here for maybe not for long. Yeah. Or maybe I saw it on YouTube or something, but... That's where I saw it, and it was interesting, because, like, they, like, were skirting the line of, like, intellectual property... Oh, yeah, uh, they were. You know, violation. Because, like, you know, they clearly had, like, a, uh, you know, like a Terry Funk character and a Ric Flair character. Yeah, they, they definitely did, but it was... I just think for what you guys are doing, I think that I think something like that, and that's just my mind being my mind. It's not normal. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. I'm a 45 year old wrestling fan with a podcast. Chinikuma, but, that's what it was called. Okay, that was the name of the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, muscle was an acronym for I don't know what it stood for, but. Yeah, muscle, like, they called it muscle uh, when they came out with the toy line. And yeah. It was just weird because, like, they didn't, like, bother connect. Like, I-, I had those as a kid. I, like, collected those obsessively. Um, but they didn't really, like, try to capitalize on it by, like, doing, like, a good dub of the cartoon no. associated with it. Do you think that some of those, did any of the, like, I know... The comics drawn by someone else, but did some of those have anything to do with like the characters that you saw in your head as you were writing it? Uh, you know, I don't. It's funny. I didn't really. I feel like had we embraced that style, we would have gone a little more out there with some of the character, the alien wrestler designs. Um. Yeah, as I said, like, we had kind of, like, a lot of, like, the, the parts were, you know, were already sort of set in stone before I even, okay. somebody, I don't even remember, it was, like, a friend, and he brought up the fact that, like, the muscle figures were alien wrestlers. Now, you know, the concept behind the cartoon is sort of, is not really the same as ours. Right. No, um, no, yeah. no. I I was just talking, like, as far as the, the style, you know what I mean? Yeah. It but was... No. We we let like we we don't we let sort of Dan Scotty kind of do his thing when it came to the style. Um, okay. If you look at his other work, like it has a similar sort of look to it. And um, Kendall, his 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 stuff is not like he's definitely like got a different style, but it's not so far off that if you go from issue three to issue four, it's going to be totally jarring. Right, It'll still you be know? recognizable. Yeah, yeah. Um, we kind of did a test run where we let him do some bonus content for issue three, and we got to see his versions of what all of the characters that Dan had designed looked like. And after getting that from him, we were like, oh, totally. You know, like this is our guy for the remainder of the run. Now, when you were doing it as a screenplay, who did you see as Rory Landell? Oh God! You know, I didn't even get. I didn't even. We didn't even get that. Far. Went that far in the dark. In, 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 in casting, and it's been interesting because, like the the, like the first editions, like the the first version of that screenplay, uh, you know, uh, Don was white. Oh really? 
Yeah, yeah. Don Don was white in the in the original. Yeah, the the cast got a lot more diverse as we sort of developed it. Okay. Um, Linda was you know Linda. I don't know if you could tell, but she's supposed to be like Mexican American, and um, she was white as well. And her her like gimmick was Mississippi Queen. As opposed to Spanish Rose, which is her gimmick in the comic. Now, yeah, with Don White, was his character, was his gimmick completely different as well? Yeah, he, so, like, his... Because that so could his, have been really funny. Yeah, so his character, like, was originally called Buddy. And, but, like, the, the our inspiration throughout was always uh, Freddie Blassie. Okay. Um, just, you know, so, like, as, as a person... Because I don't know if you've read um, Freddie Blassie's autobiography, uh, but it's a good one. <laughs> I did that. I read that one a while back. Yeah, yeah. But he's got this kind of like really sort of gruff, you know, unromantic kind of shoot from the hip style, and we kind of needed a guy like that to to kind of you know. Um, pick apart Rory and kind of, you know, deflate his ego when it was necessary That's... and just kind of, you know, give it to him straight. Yeah. So, you know, we, he became Hawaiian, but he was still like, in essence, like a Freddie Blassie type character. And then of course his gimmick changed to, you know, this weird mashup of like Mr. Fuji <laughs> and then <laughs> Ernie Roth, the grand wizard. <laughs> you know? That. I'm stuck being well, he was stuck being a Chinaman yeah. as a Hawaiian. <laughs> Which I was like, like the bitterness yeah. towards that because, like, uh, that happens. Yeah, like I'll well, say, Yokozuna was a Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's. I mean, I know a few Puerto Ricans who are Samoans. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, Mister Fuji, while he was like. Japanese American. He was, you know, he was born in Hawaii. Right. He was Hawaiian. Yeah, <laughs> like so that, that accent was a put on. I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, and that's yeah. like that's the little stuff that was in there. So you did you when you guys were writing the screenplay, you never said, "Imagine if this person played him." No, and it's been interesting because, like, we've had people. Like oh, if this turn, you know, like this, you know, See, I, Bruce Bruce Campbell, we've we've heard Matthew McConaughey, we've heard for Rory, um, we've had some interesting suggestions since like we premiered the comic, but um, yeah, we really didn't. We really thought of the wrestlers that inspired them, and kind of like I, we we sort of heard all their lines and sort of their voices as opposed to any specific actor, so. Okay. You know, like, yeah, like I heard Superstar when we were writing Roy's dialogue, and I definitely heard Freddie Blassie when we were writing Don. That's all I'm going to hear now when I read. <laughs> That's okay. See, I always, you know, I've never written, I, I've barely written a, a sentence, never mind a, a comic book or a screenplay. But, like, I always imagined that the person writing it would say, oh, this is going to be this person. And that might change a hundred times from step one to step ten. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so just, I like getting in your mind a little on that. Yeah, you you got to sort of like as a writer when you're writing dialogue, you got to be able to hear a voice in your head. Um, 
Now, did you and, go to school for video games or did you go to school for writing? So, uh, you know, both Ed and I sort of had weird, you know, circuitous paths into video games. So I, I went I, I went to uh, art school at Syracuse University um, to be a computer animator. So, you know, sort of video games. Um, I wanted to be an environmental designer in games. And um, I made this little point-and-click graphic adventure with a friend of mine who was a programmer in college. And, it had, you know, the humor in it was really sort of crude and crass and not far off from Leisure Suit Larry. So um, when I applied to uh, a job at High Voltage Software, which was my first job in the industry, um, they said, you know, we want to bring you on board, but we want you to be a writer because we really like that little game you made. Okay. And uh, I was like, okay, sure. You know, I don't really have much training as a writer, but um, basically Ed and I, every week, we had to produce about, you know, three scenes worth of content and then read them to a room of about six to eight <laughs> people. All of our seniors, you know, these are like, you know, all the directors on the project. And since it was Leisure Suit Larry, we had to make them laugh. So yeah. it was really trial by fire. And, you know, you know, if, if stuff isn't connecting, if people aren't laughing, it's not working. And it's kind of hard to dispute that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, you sort of develop a thick shell pretty quickly in that sort of scenario. Okay. Now, I got to take a few seconds just to tell my fans about something else and then after that I just want to get I want to spend the next like 15 20 minutes or so just talking about the comic books and sure what might be coming but guys you're listening to a podcast now and you're not getting anything out of it if you download the app podcoin you can uh, use promo code Irish whip we're gonna give you 300 bonus points for that and you get bon- you get coins for listening to any podcast. Your favorite podcasts are all on there, including us, obviously. Um, you go on, you just download it, you listen to your podcast there, and then you can trade those points in for gift cards to places like Starbucks and stuff like that. So download the app PodCoin, use the promo code Irish Whip. We'll give you a couple extra points, and you'll be on a nice start onto your first gift card. Now... Matt, I really want to get into the comics, and I don't want to tell people the whole storylines, obviously, because we want people to have to buy them. Yeah. Um, one is out there, so people should know what's going on in one. And uh, one sort of left, I don't want to say it was a cliffhanger, but, like, the action is just about to start when one ended. Yeah, well, we introduced... Uh the major sort of antagonist of the series we we can get into some of like the you know the broad outlines of the story because you know these have been out for a while um but yeah i mean in fact you see that character on the cover so it's it's not a huge surprise you just so you you know yeah. at the end of that issue you know who that is and what's about to you know what rory has unleashed with his kind of rather unfortunate promo that he cut way back in 1984. <laughs> That's, yeah, and it was a 1984 promo for sure. Yeah, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of daddies. Right yeah. And now, he so, used the word jive. <laughs> he did. 
But that was a thing then, so it worked. And it, like, that was the stuff I mean. It was really like a throwback there. So now, you know the aliens. The I don't know. Do you call them aliens? Do you call them creatures? We we call it we call them aliens. Um, but yeah, so we we introduce the. Actually, in the first scene, you know, we do that little preview where you see yeah. a crater maker who actually, you know, never reappears. <laughs> but uh, that's your first glimpse of what Wrestletopians are like. Um, yeah, and then at the end, we introduce uh, Manifest Destiny and a sort of right-hand man, Adrian Polaris, who uh, everyone thinks was is supposed to be Adrian Adonis, but actually is Adrian was influenced by Adrian Street. A little bit different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's I mean, okay. I see that now. Yeah, he's very he's very glam rock. Um, just like exotic no. Adrian Street was. And I mean you you already hit on it earlier. They're gonna come down and they're gonna um build a, a steel cage. Yeah, and that was a very WrestleMania two-ish steel cage. <laughs> it's also because they like vastly underestimate uh, human technology, and they think that you know, in the year nineteen ninety nine, we 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 could like escape our planet. We had you know space travel capabilities <laughs> to basically take our entire Earth population and leave if it got too hot on Earth. <laughs> so. They're gonna they're coming down. And their main thing is obviously Rory Landell, right? Yeah, so when we when we catch up fifteen years later after the signal has sort of, you know, been blasted across the universe and picked up by the WrestleTopians, uh Rory is sort of working, you know, high school gyms and bingo yeah. halls and Native American casinos and he's he's pretty washed up. Um and uh, basically, this this happens in issue two. I, th- this is a lot. So much of this is known. I don't feel like we're ruining too much. Um, but manifest destiny basically throws down the gauntlet, and he wants Rory to meet him in St. Paul, Minnesota, um, in order, you know, for a uh, belt unification match. That's and that was the other thing too. The in the first book, the wrestling bear, the wrestling bear being the best worker that was in the promotion. <laughs> so, it, it's funny, like that's the one thing people like. People remember that bear, and he's only in there for I don't know two, three pages. People love that damn bear. It was <laughs> funny because at one point the bear sits down, so the promoter's there yelling. He's tired. You'll get him in the bed. Would just swat him away again. <laughs> that was definitely inspired by uh, terrible Ted, who okay. was who was the bear that uh, Stampede Wrestling up in Calgary yeah. used. <laughs> Very familiar with terrible Ted. <laughs> and uh, all the all the people who are wrestling fans uh, recognize that, in fact, you know, like bears did wrestle yeah. with people. And all the people who don't know anything about wrestling think like this is something we invented just like as a joke. No, I think Mueller actually wrestled a bear at one point. 
and uh, Roddy Piper did. Yeah, Piper was probably like the the newest wrestler. Yeah, because it hasn't been done in so long. But that's no. like that. That was very cool because that was definitely an '80s thing, and ah, it's it was fun. The beer was definitely memorable. Yeah, we kind of used it to say that, like, you know, the AWF hasn't quite turned that corner, right? They're still kind of regional. They're still kind of small time. They're on the cusp of something, but, you know, they're still doing gimmick matches with bears. Yeah. But they had a beer. That's a plus. A lot of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, where do you see it going from here now that you're out with the comic books? What's like, what are your goals with the comic? Uh, so, you know, we want to just finish up this first run of six issues and this is really going to be a self-contained story. Um, it's going to have like a clear beginning, middle and end, but you know, if this find an audience, finds an audience, fingers crossed, what we would love to do is potentially just do a series called WrestleTopia that takes place on WrestleTopia where we kind of sort of dig deeper into WrestleTopian society. I, I, for, for me and for Ed, we feel like it's just sort of like there's sort of endless possibilities in terms of sort of expanding the universe. There's just a lot of different characters we can create and a lot of sort of stories we can tell within the kind of, you know, the confines of the WrestleTopian universe. Have you guys thought about hitting up some of the independent wrestling promotions on doing like cross stuff? Like, a, I don't know if you're familiar with Chikara. Yeah, I do. Uh, we we've uh, we haven't talked about doing any uh, specific crossovers where we get some of these guys um, involved, but like that would definitely definitely be fun. I know we've we've tweeted a little back and forth with you know speaking of Chikara with Mike Quack and Bush. Yeah. I don't know. Like Ed's really kind of like our he, he's like our Twitter presence. Like he's okay. the one. Who's doing a lot of outreach but like you know right now it's more like just trying to like get retweets and, and like get wrestling fans you know knowledgeable and excited about this series um the only people i know who have retweeted it thus far you know uh have been stevie richards he gave us a retweet and actually jerry lawler did as well that's now have you guys thought about reaching out because he's a con he does yeah yeah i a lot uh, of art yeah i would love and, and we'll see once we get around to doing a trade paperback i would love for uh lawler to do some art for the book um actually my wife and i went to memphis for a weekend last year and this was sort of after he retweeted us, and I, I went to uh, his bar on Beale Street, and um, he wasn't there, but uh, his buddy who manages the place was there, and um, he like brought me into sort of the VIP room, and I got to see just the walls are covered in Lawler's original art, and Lawler's legit talented. Yeah, yeah, he he <laughs> did um... fan back in the day. He did. He did the um, the drawings for all of Mick Foley's children's books. 
Yeah, and he also... Or for at least for one or two of them, I should say. Yeah, and he did, like, there, you know, when he was still wrestling in Memphis, he did the cover art for a lot of the programs. Yeah, uh, that's... And you can see that stuff, actually, you know, at his bar. He has a lot of that oh, stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, we just, you know, I signed some issues and left them for him. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to reach out with it, to him to see if maybe he wants to do some art for the trade. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of these guys who are, are comic book fans as well. Obviously, Rob Van Dam, also yeah. a big comic, he used to have a comic shop. Yeah, yeah, it's, there is a ton of them uh, in wrestling, in pro wrestling. That yeah. Shane Helms, you know. Yeah. There's a, oh. there's a lot of crossover. Um, and we'll, yeah, I, I would love to get some, like, legit actual wrestlers to make guest appearances. But, um, you know, first things first, we got this first run out, you know, yeah. six, and then we can start, you know, getting ambitious with it. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, it, you get it right. You got to kind of get the first couple out there and then you'd be surprised at who would do it as a favor if when you get something really cool out there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I'm sure Shane Helms would love to be in an actual comic book. Yeah, <laughs> and, and um, there's a there's actually like a, a series. Um, for some reason, I'm always blank on it, um, but it's it's crowdfunded, and um, he gets the actual wrestlers to write stories for. And he's had, he's had uh, Lawler do some artwork for him. Really? Um, yeah, and I know he goes to a lot of indie shows. He, he goes to a lot of uh, wrestling conventions. Um, but uh, yeah, there's 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 a there's a lot of crossover there that that you know is just ripe for you know um, for us to kind of seize on here. Have you guys thought about doing that, like the conventions? Headlock Comics, just so I, you know, I, I get this. I get you know, I, oh, help, yeah. promote, help promote our brothers in the trade. Uh, we have we have thought about it. Um, it would definitely be something we would do after we had the, the trade out. You know, okay. Because uh, you know, right now, beyond like this limited run we did for right, uh, it's it's so not to sell like, digital yeah. media at a table. Yeah. yeah. Um. But. Yeah, uh, that's- I mean, you guys got a really good product. It's well, thank uh, you. Like I said, I've 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 been privy to the first two, and I'm ta- like waiting on issue three. Well, we'll we'll yeah. be sure to you know get you a copy before you know, right before it gets uh we oh. it gets released. I was gonna say I'll probably Just... have it before then because I'll be buying it once it gets put out. Yeah, it's. And I'd, I've never been one to read comics digitally. I've always, I haven't collected comics in years, but if someone tells me there's a good story, like I, I used to, I was buying the Walking Dead trade paperbacks for a while. And, you know, I brought up Black as Night to you, the Green Lantern story arc, because just your intro on that first page um, sort of reminded me of that. Yeah. And it, yeah. it like that's literally probably my favorite story arc of all time in comics. So to, to have me start there, 
it was a good place. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, we've just, we, we felt very fortunate that people have thus far been re- responding to it the way they have. And it's, it's, you know, we've been working on this sort of on and off for about a, over a decade now. And it's definitely sort of a labor of love for us. And now we're just sort of excited that, you know, we're able to get it out to people and, um, you know, just see how they respond to, you know, this sort of thing. Where can people go to get news on WrestleTopia and, like, the Twitters and the Facebooks? So we are all over the place. Uh, We're basically on everything. Uh, We have a – we're on Twitter at uh, SBP underscore comics. Uh, We're on Tumblr at uh, Suspicious Behavior Productions. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, although we really, you know, we we started on Instagram, we have no idea what the hell to do with it. Yeah, that's on the same (laughs) way. It took me so long to switch from MySpace to Facebook and from Facebook to Twitter. I'm not at Instagram yet. Yeah. And, and we do a little bit on Facebook, but really, I'd say like Twitter and Tumblr have been our sort of primary uh, modes of communication. Um, we'll probably be doing uh, Tumblr has been good since it's so like image heavy. Like we'll probably be doing a, a preview of issue three in the next I don't know week or so. I guess uh, I need to set up a Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr. T- Tumblr is. I, I'm not a big I, fan of the social medias, but, uh, you know, Tumblr's kind of the, you know, social media for people who are antisocial. Okay. Because <laughs> it's really, you know, like, you don't get involved in heated discussions, really. It, it's people just kind of, like, post uh, pictures and videos of their personal fandom. Now, it- <clears throat> Where can people buy the issue one and issue two when it comes out next week? Comixology. Okay, yeah, Comixology is we're exclusive right now to Comixology. Okay. I feel like um, that's the go-to anyway for it, digital yeah, comics. Yeah, it really is. When we we're independently publishing, we we're, we're also existed on Amazon and on um, Apple on on iBooks, but really, really? When people. Yeah, yeah, but like when people buy digital comics, they buy it on Comixology. Yeah. So all you have to do is punch in Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia, and you'll be able to find us yes. real quickly. And um, we are in the Starburn storefront as well. <coughs> okay, so people can go right to the website and. Yeah, start. Look, Starburns has a lot of cool, exciting things coming out. Um, they have Nasquatch, they have Griffin, they have B-Squad. Um, I'm going to have to pick up Griffin just for the name, because my last name is oh, Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> With all eyes, but it's all a spinoff of the same thing. That's, I got excited when I saw that in the emails we traded them back and forth. Yeah, and in fact, you can. I think they did eleven pages of Griffin in Starburns Presents Number Two, and you can just you can download that now for free and get a taste, see if you like it. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to print it out and then I'm going to autograph it. Because <laughs> if it's my name, I can autograph it myself, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's how it works, anyway. 
But Matt, I thank you. Um, I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate the comic book more, though. <laughs> well, I appreciate it's, you having me on. Um, yeah, anytime, and we'll be we'll be retweeting. You can follow follow their Twitter, obviously. But we'll when that issue two comes out, we'll definitely be tweeting about it on the three Irish boys. Um, and when issue three, four, five, and six come out, we'll be tweeting about it and doing reviews of it and talking about it because it's just such a, it, it was an incredible book. It took me back to a different age and I appreciated that. I loved it. Well, thank you. And, um, you know, I will, I will pass the compliments on to Ed. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate all the communication with you guys that we've had. So, um, Matt, anytime you guys want to come on, you guys are more than welcome to pitch anything you guys got going on. Uh, you know, I'm, we would love to come back. Um, you just let us know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We got the emails going. so Yeah. Um, guys, that's all we got for tonight. Thank you for listening, Matt. Thank you for coming on. We'll be thank back you. next week. Bye. All right. I'll talk to you later, Matt. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.